Welcome to episode one of Front Sight. It is designed and aimed at men. And you guys are listening, and I don't know where you're listening at right now. You might be in your truck driving home. Maybe you're maybe you hit play and you're in the bathroom getting ready. Kids are getting ready for school. Wherever you are, and thank you for listening. And so we kind of want to paint the picture here, sort of what's happening and where we are. Obviously, um, we are in my office um, recording this, and I've, I've got a great group of guys in the room right now, so let me just paint the picture for you what's happening. I'm at my desk, and over here to my left, um, sort of emceeing and hosting this all, is Jacob Miller, our guy that runs howdy, broadcast, howdy. podcast, all of that. Yeah, Producer. thank you for saying hello. Hey, hey. He's the guy pushing the buttons. He's watching everything. He's literally like making this happen. Now, what's so cool about Jacob in this room and what we have, obviously it's a podcast aimed at men. And um, you don't just have a bunch of grumpy old men on this show kind of thing, you know, telling us what we should and shouldn't do. And oh, these are the lessons I learned, you know, 89 years ago. No, it's not so much. What I love about this is Jacob literally is like three weeks and two days or something like that into being a dad. Yeah. And uh, obviously been married a little over a year and dated for seven years. So, you know, in just a short amount of time, right, he went from being in high school and single and like, Lord, who are you going to bring in my life to boom, I'm married to, whoa, I'm a dad. Yeah. And so like you literally have... Congratulations. Yeah. Fresh dad <laughs> smell all around you. Wait, is that the smell of the diaper? I don't But <laughs> you're a fresh dad. And then you got Rodney. So the other guy in the room over here to my right um, is Rodney Kilborn. Many of you know him on staff here at church. And over these podcasts, you're going to learn about their stories um, even more. But Rodney is a is is a dad, um, and he's a husband. So, I mean, in your life, you've got um, elementary-age kids. You've got toddlers. Mm. Um, so you and your wife are right in the throes of so much of being dad and, and husband, father, just all of that wrapped up into so much, right? And and Rodney, well, and you too, Jacob, you're you're like me. I think the common denominator we all have in this room right now is is they say we all married above our our expertise. Absolutely. I mean, right? And so we're learning so much from our own wives. But what a cool mix that's in this room right now. Um of of newly married, of veterans, uh, you know, and, and so forth. And you guys know my story uh, here now. So obviously been married 28 years. And in the last uh, three weeks and two days, Jacob and Rayleigh have made Raina and I grandparents. And so mm. um, adult age children, um, one that's married, has a, has a little one, uh, one that's engaged, will soon be married. Um, another one that I'm pretty certain, you know, the guy she's dating, they're going to be married, so maybe we should hold off on this podcast to make sure it really happens. But anyway, no, <laughs> it's going to happen. So yeah, that's in the room, and we're here to talk about stuff that's going to develop men. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you. Yeah, no problem, no problem. My my my, my wife would actually argue that she's got four children, very credibly. Oh. <laughs> Glad you mentioned that. Yes, yeah, so, so you got us here. Yeah. We're all in the room. You gathered us here today. Yes. So 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 to tell us. 
You know, so yeah, why why are we here? Um, I didn't know the name Front Sight, um, it, but a good friend of mine, Gary Chapman, who wrote The Five Love Languages uh, many years ago, was telling me, he was like, Ron, after like 15, 20 years of research uh, in marriage counseling, I went back and found five significant themes, which for him became The Five Love Languages. And so I've thought about that for years, and there's been a number of things that I've sort of documented, like themes that I preach quite often, and that turned into Renovate. Uh, So sort of the common denominators that I do with churches, um, I now, with Tom Chaney, help do that with pastors around the country. So in the last 11 years, uh, we've trained about 10,000 pastors. That's phenomenal to me, even when I say that. And then I began to look back at more recently, I'll say in the last two to three years, um, thankfully, I've been meeting with a lot more men. Now, why do I say thankfully? Before men, they wouldn't meet with you. They would just wait till you know, you know they're crash and burn. They're they're literally like laying down and they're, they're being ridden in the ambulance to the hospital. Then they ask for help. Kind Medic. of typical, yeah, right. Kind of typical of what we do. Now I've got men that are coming in. And so for the last three or four years, um, I've, I've watched and I'm having the same conversation. I'm literally hitting like the same, I would say, 10 or 15 things that we could mention. And no matter what brought them there, um, sort of the same things are helping all of them. And so I, I don't want to just have a life group. Life groups are valuable. So when I say that, I don't, I don't mean that they're not. I don't want to just have another life group where we just gather and um, and, and and we pray and and listen. All that's all that's valuable, and it, and it, and I'm hoping that life groups, more men, rise up and start life groups out mm-hmm. of this. I mean, that's that's. But this is not what this is. This is like catching you at that moment, and you wake up and you're like, I know I should be more, but how? Mm. Um, my wife is needing this. What does that mean to me? My kids, I'm I'm watching these things happen. What do I do with that? Yeah. And so after all these years of marriage and of parenting, I wanna I wanna pour back into men. And I and so literally front sight, we're gonna take aim at manhood and we're gonna come at it from a biblical pr- approach. And so you guys, you're gonna hear from Jacob, you're gonna hear from Rodney, but you're also gonna hear from other men. So like hopefully in a future podcast, we're gonna have some other guys in here from all walks of life and all experience of life. We might have some well-named people out there, but I'm not going after, hey, come listen to big guy so-and-so. I want you to hear from the everyday dude, right? That's like me, that's like Rodney, that's like Jacob, that just says, um, here's where we are. So I basically, I've spent the last 30 years enjoying uh, the benefit of having godly men in my life. As a matter of fact, just about a month ago, a former pastor that just happened to be moved back to this area, and Gene Self, and he, he God brought him um, at, a, at a critical point in the life of this church, and he and his wife had just kind of moved down here, and they chose Waterstone. This guy had been a pastor for over 45 years. Mm. And what we were going through at that time, I needed a pastor in my life that had been a pastor longer than me. Mm. And what I learned from him, and he just messaged me like, I don't know, two weeks ago, and I said, Gene, I can't thank you for that time. That was God-ordained. Like, they were only here for a little while. Health diagnosis moved them on to family to take care of them. But they were here, I think, solely for me. Selfishly, I say that. I mean, I know that's not why all the reason why. 
But I, I love the story of in 2 Samuel. I love the story of David and his mighty men. Listen, we need to be surrounded by other men. And so often we think we're lone rangers. Well, that never really works well. I love the mini series, The Band of Brothers. I don't know if you guys mm, have ever watched yeah. that. But I love that. And one of the things I love to study is why were those men called the greatest generation ever? We're going to discover some of those attributes of what made them that. I, I love fighting alongside other men. Like, that's why I wanted to go into the Marine Corps. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I wanted to dress blues, right? And I wanted to look cool like on the billboard. Um, and Rodney <laughs> knows that. Rodney's a former Marine. But I, I love that. Here's another thing I found out about myself. Um, one, I, I, I couldn't play baseball. Now, that's, I don't know if you know how, how epic that is for me to say that. But every man in my life, like fa- grandfather, my father, and all my grandfathers and uncles, every one of them were baseball stars. Like my dad was chosen to represent the United States on the Pony League. He was one out of three shortstops chosen in the United States. Wow. He was going to be drafted by the Yankees. I mean, my grandfather, the mantle was littered with baseballs of of home runs at state championships and national championships. Along comes Ron. The only baseball I hit was a foul ball my entire... And I threw the glove down. And my grandfather was behind me. My dad was behind me. I threw the glove down. I said, I'm done. And I go to school and everybody's playing soccer. Well, I picked up soccer. Well, they all supported me. Here's what I I loved soccer. I loved the strategy of knowing where the guys were on the field. I played center midfield, which means I... I set up the offense and I supported the defense. I I loved that strategy of it. I loved watching uh, that happen. I always knew where the goal was, if you will, but the goal wasn't necessarily to score. It was just to call the plays on the field. Mm -hmm. So I love so much about Band of Brother and, and David and his mighty men. I personally have enjoyed the company of some awesome godly men that have supported, counseled, guided, and helped me as a man, husband, father, and pastors. Now, here's what we know. Here's why we're all here, Rodney, right? And you and I know this, and Jacob and I know this. We all agree that 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 manhood is under attack. Yep. Yeah. In so many ways. I mean, in most of the ways, it's, it's very subtle. Like, there are not many strong father figures on television. There's, no. They're just not present. Not, 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 not even to say godly, like biblical manhood. Yeah. So manhood is under attack. But listen, biblical manhood, here's what I believe. Biblical manhood has gone underground. Mm. Now, what do I mean by that? It's not that men don't want to be godly. Here's one of the things I found out. Most men want to be godly. They just don't know how. Yeah. So when they see their wife, excelling at work or parenting or decision-making or career, instead of like trying to rise up to that, maybe they're intimidated by it or insecure by it, but for whatever reason, they just kind of abdicate, meaning they just kind of let the wife, well, if she's doing so well and the kids are doing awesome, well, then I'll just let that keep happening. And so instead of like stepping up into that role, they just kind of sit where they are. So biblical manhood has gone underground. Mm. And what I have found in at least a good 20 years of meeting with with men is they just need simple adjustments. Have you guys ever gone to the chiropractor? Yeah. Have you been to chiropractor, Rodney? Yes. Yeah, he's like, yeah, many times. (laughs) 
Now, Ronnie, you and I probably remember the old days. I think they still do it always. Remember the old days where they like cracked and popped? Somebody just did that to me. Okay, so it's Unplanned. not that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Lots of pain. Episode number three, <laughs> right? Uh, all right, but now you go and they, they use all these tools, right? Yeah. And they don't do as much crack and pop with their hands. I mean, there's some that still are. But my point in all that is it's when I leave there, I'm like, is he doing anything? But it was the simple adjustments. And all of a sudden, I go sit in my truck without pain, or I can walk upstairs, or I can mow the yard, or I can lean over. Mm -hmm. Like whatever brought me into the chiropractor, while I'm in there, I'm going, is he really doing something? Like what what the heck am I paying for? And then when I leave, so it wasn't major. It was just minor little adjustments. And and that's what I want to do here. I want to just give guys just simple... most guys don't need major surgery. Mm-hmm. They just need minor modifications, simple adjustments in their thinking and in their approach. So as a matter of fact, let me give you one. All right, so so as you're listening, here's what we want to do. We want to have fun. We want to get real. We want to kick you in the seat of the pants if you need it. Um, we want to share real-life stories from everyday guys. Um, but I, we always want to leave you with with something. Well, here, hopefully, here's today's something. Let me just give you one tip so you can kind of get an idea. Yeah. Most men, here's what I've discovered: most men are running on empty, mm. and so when they get home, they don't know they don't really have anything. Most men are working sixty hours, and they're still running kids to soccer, to dance, um, to swim. Um, they're, they're still they're helping out making you know meals. With our economy right now, it's pretty much a, a two-income household, and even most of those two-income households are still struggling. And so both are working long hours. But it's not just the work. Guys just don't know how to be – they don't know how to fill up. Mm. Like they they know how to – right? They're, they're, they're trying to figure out, like, how can I provide here? How can I support here? How can I love here? And they're doing it running on empty. Now, listen, listen, listen. The human body, emotionally speaking, the human body can run on empty for years. Yeah. I have watched couples that are married for 50 years, and people are celebrating 50 years of marriage, but I knew a lot of facts about that marriage, and there was so much unhealthiness. There was so much toxicity, but yet we're celebrating 50 years. And one of them, if not both of them, was running on empty. Now, we know this, right? When our car is about to run out of gas, it lets us know. We can't ignore it or it's going to shut down. When the stomach is hungry, it growls. The human body can operate emotionally on empty for years. Mm -hmm. And there are guys that have unfortunately just learned how to run on empty. And then they crash and burn or... They they literally on my pastoral couch. If you in the office, I cannot tell you how many times I've watched couples come in that were married around twenty twenty one years, and the guy reluctantly comes in because she's like, "We got to go meet with a pastor." They come in, and here's the first thing she says. I'm like, "All right, well, tell me why we're here." She's like, "I want a divorce," and he for the first time sits up, eyes get big, and he's like, "Wait, what?" Like I, I thought. I thought last night was just an argument over, um, you know, I thought choice of restaurant and I pouted, blah, blah, blah. What do you mean? She's like, 
I've been on empty. These are her words. I've been on empty for the last nine years. Wow. Or I've heard it the other way. He comes in and goes, I'm done. And she goes, is it somebody else? He's like, it's nobody else. It's just, I've been on empty for 10 years. And so I want to help, right? Somebody said it this way. When your output exceeds your income, and that doesn't mean money, mm-hmm. when your output exceeds your income, your upkeep will be your downfall. Wow. Good analogy. When you run on empty for so long, eventually you're going to fall. And so here it is. I've witnessed the impact of, of a godly man, father, husband in the marketplace. I've witnessed it in the home and in marriage. Like, it can happen. Like, we, biblical manhood does not have to exist um, underground. And so I know, right, you know, I mean, just looking over here at Jacob, um, you guys are doing so much better, I think, than Ron and Raina. I mean, you look like you've gotten some sleep. Yeah. But you probably haven't. Uh, here <laughs> and there. Yeah. <laughs> right? We get a couple naps during the day. But, you know, th- but think about what you just said. We get a couple of naps, like, during the day. I mean, obviously, being my grandson, I have a little bit of insight into their schedule. I mean, he's feeding, you know, for 45 minutes, and then he's he's off for two to three hours? Yeah, or? yeah every three hours he feeds, so it's like the constant rotation. And that's not just in the daytime? No, even in the night, so. Like, so you guys are always on? Yeah. Did you ever think you could exist with, with very little sleep, like what you're doing right now? I mean, for... Yeah, no, not not really. <laughs> right. I like how you tried to answer that question. Like when I was younger, I did I did some like you know working and homework and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, not not consecutively like this. This is three weeks long of 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 being up in the middle of the night a lot of a lot of the times. Like you might get a nap, but you're full on. Yeah, like there's not a whole. You know what I mean? Like before you could go home and y'all were. Dating, you go back to your house, sleep, mm-hmm. like you're off for 12 hours. Yeah. When you're married, you're still, now you're sleeping beside somebody. You're attentive to them rolling around or whatever they may do, but you're still a little bit off. Like yeah. you got some downtime with a little dude, yeah. a little baby, you're not off, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Nope. And Rodney, you can chime in and tell, I mean, right now with the throes of, I mean, you've got three brilliant, beautiful, active I mean, you've got an active family, right? Like, do you ever feel like you've got downtime? Well, funny you should mention that. <laughs> no. Right. <laughs> no, it's, it's, you know, like Jacob's in phase one of 600. You don't ever turn off. Right. Yeah. Right. But I mean, it's, we, we're, I'm painting the picture like it's heavy and it's negative. It's not. It's an absolute blessing. Yeah. I mean, you know, but my point is, if we don't recognize it very quickly, we're running on empty, mm. and we don't know that um, that we're running on empty. Now, here's what I know: being a daughter, being a father of three daughters, um, you would think maybe um, being a dad of three sons would better equip me um, to speak front sight and manhood. You know what? I, you know, at first I thought that. I'll be honest with you. Um, now, I've never thought this. People are like, "Hey, did you ever want a son?" You know, stuff. I've never, I've never regretted. Never once have I ever regretted having three daughters ever. But here's what I've learned. I think I've learned more, possibly, about men having daughters than I probably would have if I had sons. Hmm. When you realize you have a daughter, and someday she's going to be in another man's care, you really start paying attention to like who might be caring for her. Yeah. 
And so early on, I began to just pray. And so you're like, look, I have invested 18, 19, whatever. I've invested a lot of years into her life. And the temptation is to look at that other guy and go, bro, you're like 12 years behind. Like, you know, how am I going to do that? Here's what I know. Of all all the guys that the Lord has brought into my girls' lives, the, the guys that are in their lives right now, they are an equal, if not in some areas, excelling where for a dad to have three daughters and to say, like, you're up to it. Like the investment I put into my girls, I, I have no problem handing you them over to you because you're there, right? I mean, mm-hmm. think about that. So I've spent so many years studying like what what it what it what is a godly man? And I look back, I'm like, gosh, was I that for Raina? You know, when we were dating, and what if Raina's parents had that expectation of me? What in what areas would would I have have failed? Um, and so, let me answer the question even more so: Why front sight? Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, may, maybe episode two or episode three, we're going to bring in um, you know some some experts on this. So I'm not really going to get into some of this. And Ronnie, you can chime in on this as well. Being a Marine, um, you you can chime in on the Marine Corps training. And to be honest, Jacob as well. Jacob's a better shot than I am. <laughs> Uh, not that I'm like an, this super awesome shot, but I did shoot the best in the battalion at Marine Corps Parasite. But anyway, um, not that I'm like a super awesome shot, but he he's he's far exceeded me. Like he he builds his own stuff. I don't do that. I like buy my own stuff or <laughs> or or it's gifted to me at Christmas. He's built his own. But Rodney and, and Jacob, you guys know this. So when you're looking at at aiming at targets, um, if you focus on the rear sight, the rear aperture. Um, you'll miss the target. Yeah. If you focus on the target, you'll miss the target. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so you know when it comes to uh, when it comes to front sight, you and I have to focus on that front sight because things wiggle at the muzzle. And so I'm not going to get into necessarily the science of front sight, but uh, I'm going to let our a future guest do that. But you know, there's the science of it, right? There's the axis, the horizontal axis. There's all the the front sight lining up with the rear sight and the target. But here's my point. Most men are living with a target in mind. Yeah. Right? Like I have to earn a certain amount of income. Right. Or if I'm dating, I have to get this type of girl, which that's okay. Um, Like we live our lives aiming at targets because the world tells us to aim at targets. Income. Status, house, whatever it may be, right? Uh, for some guys, they live in an environment where it's the type of watch that you wear, mm. um, the the type of tools that you carry, the type of car mm. that you drive. Mm-hmm. Um, most guys live with a target in mind, and they keep missing, and they don't know why they come home sort of unfulfilled. And so we want to teach them front sight principles, just how to how to aim it and dial in, take aim and hit things the right way. And so what we want to do in this um, in front sight podcast for men is teach you that. We're gonna have some we're gonna have fun. Uh, meaning we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about, you know, I don't know, maybe some future episodes will be like cool gadgets and things that are out there. Like, I find myself asking Jacob a lot. I'm like, man, have you ever seen this? Have you seen that? And he studied this, and he knows that. And 
You know, I go to Rodney and I'm like, all right, tell me what's happening in the, the, the financial market. What's happening in this market? You know, with your corporate background, I'm like, help me see the landscape because I can get so tunnel vision that I, I may not even know I'm missing uh, the target, even though I think I'm aiming at the target. Here's what we want to do. We, we want to help you guys understand that, what it means to be a man of war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Now, 2 Timothy chapter 2 tells you and I that we are to be men of war. It says, no man of war entangles himself with the affairs of this world so that he may please. Some versions say the one who recruited him or the version that I like, which is not far off, it's accurate, it says that he may please his commander and chief. So we want to walk you through these biblical principles of how to take aim at biblical manhood. What what does that even look like? My hope and my prayer is this, to train men to be men of war, that please their commander chief, to, to pour into men and for men to pour into me. My, my, my hope is to sound... Revely. Now, Rodney, when you were in the Marine Corps, did you ever witness guys run back into their quarters when Reveille was played or when, you know, when you woke up in the morning and they're they're hoisting the flag? And remember, if you're caught outside, you have to stand at attention. Did you ever witness that? Guys run to avoid standing yeah. at attention uh, a few times. Yeah. I thought, how ridiculous is that? Like, why do you not want to honor that? Yeah. You know, and I would see guys that would do things like that, and they were always the ones that were the sloppiest Marines. Mm-hmm. So here's my point in all that. It's learning how to dial in. It's paying attention to some of those little details, those little adjustments. Like, like I didn't mind getting caught out, um, you know, when the flag was hoisted and the music played, and I didn't mind standing at attention. We want to train men to be, and here's the three points of, of front sight. We want to train men to be faithful, to be focused, and to be fearless. Mm. So if you're looking at a, a rear sight, there's your two dots on the outside, and then your front sight has the one. So on the outside, rear is faithful on one side. On the other side is fearless, but right in the middle is focused. We believe if we can teach men biblically how to be focused, they will be faithful and they will be fearless men of God. Basically, Men who demonstrate biblical manhood, demonstrate biblical, is this a word? Husbandhood? It kind of had to it rhyme. It is now. It is now, <laughs> right? Biblical manhood, biblical husbandhood, and, uh, and biblical fatherhood. Dads that read with their kids. Dads that laugh. Dads that cry, that hunt, that fish, that dance, that have tea parties. Husbands that honor their wives, cherish their wives, love their wives, and lead them well. Men of honor men of commitment, men of courage, a brotherhood of men that fight for integrity, identity, and morality, dads that protect their sons and daughters emotionally, spiritually, financially. Because, listen, the Bible says no man of war entangles himself with the affairs of this world. Mm, powerful. Yeah. Now, now, why why is that so powerful? Um, I see so many men that are that are tangled up. And they're literally just being robbed every day, mm. and they don't yeah. know that. Um, so here's a scenario I put guys in all the time. I'm, you know, most recently I had a guy come in. He's like, "Man, I've got a trailer full of all my equipment, my tools to run my job." And it's like, 
you know, twenty some thousand dollars worth of equipment. And he's like, I got cameras on this trailer. I've got multiple locks on this trailer. He said, man, I, and I'm like, all right, walk me through, walk me through that. He's like, I do all I can to protect. I'm like, okay, now, now what protections do you have around your family? What do you mean? Well, you know, I've got a security system. No, no, no. no. What, what, what protections do you have around around your family? I said, so what? What if you came in and somebody like, God forbid, took your children out of their bedroom? How would you respond? Oh man, I do this. And I'm like, do you know what's happening in your child's bedroom? Do you know what's on their phone? Do you do you know why your wife's sitting on the couch by herself? Do you know why she likes hanging out in the bedroom or the back porch by herself? She's begged for you to sort of provide an environment for her, but you're not in that space. And I said, so you're you're more mad about losing twenty thousand dollars worth of tools when you ought to be mad about losing your potential marriage or your potential kids. You gotta you gotta get focused, man. Getting robbed. Yeah, yeah. you're getting robbed. And I'm like, that should anger you that somebody's robbing you of your of time with your children, time with your wife. And they're like, well, how do I do that when I work 60 hours? What does that look like? And it's finding those little moments, right, that we can sort of jump in and do that. So again, today's tip is most men are living on empty. They're just not full, and they're, they're not being filled. So when we talk about front sight, just real quick before we wrap this up, Real quick, there are three things, and Ronnie, you know this, Jake, well, Jake, you know it as well, right? There are three things that make focusing on, on a front sight critical. Well, there's the geometry of, of sight alignment. That's what I mentioned. I'm not going to go into that one right now. One, um, I didn't do so well in geometry, but <laughs> the other is there's some qualified guys out there. I mean, we've got a guy in our church that, um, you know, a retired Marine, uh, weapons instructor, weapons depot. I mean, this is what he did. Yeah. And... He was in my office, I don't know, six weeks ago, and he spelled off stuff in like 21 seconds that I was like, what in the world? Like, people have to hear that. And it just came out naturally. We're going to hear about that. So one is the geometry of sight. The other one's the human's eye. Here's what we know about the human eye. The human eye is incredible. But here's the key. Here's the key to effective shooting is you have to have good um, light, in order to see the aperture properly. Yeah. Most men don't even know it, but they're shooting in the dark. That's the phrase, right? That's the phrase. Yeah, shooting in the dark. They're 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 shooting in the dark. Like they don't they don't know and they're wondering like why am I missing? And they don't have the right light around them. They're and, and you know, figuratively speaking, obviously that's that's the word, but it's their their whole lifestyle. So it's it's that, and then it's it's finding out the simple terms here. What wiggles the most? Well, the front muzzle is always what wiggles the most. Yeah. yeah, right. And so here's the way I put it with guys: there's a whole lot of wiggle in your in your life right now. There's some things that aren't tied down. Mm-hmm. There's some things that are just loosey goosey, and you're making excuses for them. And right now, I'm just telling you, those are the things that you don't think it's the wiggles right now. It's those things that are moving around in your life that aren't strapped down that are causing you to, to miss some things in your marriage. Yeah. Right? And so it's, it's learning how to, uh, how to identify that. And so obviously so much more. Huge number of variables that affect all of that. Farsightedness, nearsightedness, uncorrected vision. I mean, you know, uh, even like I'll give some stuff away, like when Mike is his name, when he comes on, he'll say like, even what you ate and drank the night before. Mm. Um affects the wiggles. It affects your eyesight. Yeah. 
And so the Bible speaks to that, not just like diet, but what I put in my body, the old adage, garbage in, garbage mm-hmm. out, um, and so forth. Let me just let me just finish this up, you know, my little section here of let me just read 2 Timothy 2, and I want to be, I want to encourage you in this. Listen, and I'm gonna pull out some phrases here. It says, You, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Now listen, guys, listen. Commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Okay, so one of the hopes of Frontside is we don't just give you information and you live a better life. You're supposed to be taking this information and teaching others. Yep. And so we want to help you. Like already, what I love about you know, Jacob in so many stages is is um, you know, Rihanna, my middle daughter, she's engaged to Jean. And Jacob and Jean already talk about like what you how'd you guys do in the engagement process? How'd you pick this out? How'd you pick that out? He's yeah. Jacob's already walking him through like how to how do you set up your home? Like, you know, how did you learn this? Like budgeting. He, yeah. That, yeah. All those, Run all with those that. different types of stuff. Like we're talking about budgeting. I mean, looking for houses, how the housing market is crazy right now. Mm-hmm. But just the the kind of like development of like, okay, this is the stage of life. We bounce ideas back and forth and I'm just trying to, you know, help them out, that kind of thing. So and and it, it might be like small little conversations, but I'm listening to those and he's yeah. asking. You're you're even helping out, and both you and Jean are like you know even helping out Jordan. Jordan is yeah. dating my um, youngest daughter Raya, and I love watching the three of you guys. You get along like your brothers. <laughs> like to be honest, like Jordan and Jacob look like brothers. Yeah, I mean Benjamin is Jacob's son, and when Benjamin looks at Jordan, he's like, "Is that my dad?" <laughs> I mean, they look that it's so it's the it's the wildest thing ever. Now, Rodney, I watch you a lot, and. Coming from corporate America, you're teaching a lot of young guys, and when I say young, um, 25 to 40 maybe, even some guys you know, maybe a little bit older than that, they're coming to you like on, how do I handle myself in this business environment? Mm-hmm. What is my approach to this? Even some guys that are wanting to branch out and not be in a system, they want to start their own company, which you've done multiple times. Like... You're teaching other men. Like, expand upon that. Like, what are some questions you're asked a lot of from other guys? Um, you know, probably the most prevalent is priorities. Mm. The you know the world and pretty much every successful you know business coach quote unquote out there tells you that you know you're going to be imbalanced in your priorities at times, and so particularly entrepreneurs are driven executives, they just tend to dial that in, focus on targets and the excuses to, to reprioritize uh, your family and, and your, your faith behind that Mm. get larger and larger and then distance passes and you're, you're missing it. And so people struggle with, with how do I stay on focused and still remain competitive? How do I deal with, you know, competitors and culture that it's any means to an end, any means to win. And I got to live by rules. You know, how, how does that happen? So those are probably the, you're talking to like 99% of guys that are listening right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're talking to guys like right now who are driving down the road, they're getting ready to go to a meeting and they got to close this deal. Now to close that deal is going to be lucrative. I don't know what, $5,000, $10,000. We got a number of guys in our church that 
that come to me and they're like, Pastor Ron, I feel guilty. Like I closed like eight deals this month and I made like $20,000 in one month. Um, and they're like, was I wrong? You're dealing with like 99% of guys who are like, how do everything you just said, priorities, how do I balance that? How do, how do I go in and live out my faith in a, in a market that is faithless, mm. but to some extent, you know, um, I, I can't just walk into market and go, let me get, before we close this deal, let me read the word of God to you. I mean, <laughs> you know, they can't do that, but cause that's not, so what you're, yeah, what you're dealing with, what you're helping men, that that's what you guys are called to do. So we want to help you not necessarily learn how to hold a prayer meeting at your job, but how to be a godly man at your job by determining priorities, yeah. by maintaining balance so that you can keep your focus. Mm. God's not against you being a successful businessman. God's not against you being a salesman that sells $100,000 worth of product a month as long as that doesn't become your idol. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells you, you and I know this, the Bible speaks just as much to lazy hands. Ecclesiastes says if a man doesn't work, the rafters sag, right? So he's not against that at all. But the goal is is to raise up men, which is why I said this is so much more than a life group. Um, It's it's, it's raising up men who will teach other men. We're not going to be able to complete the verse, um, this chapter, but here's some other one. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I'll never forget, mm-hmm. I had a young man come in my office. He's like, Pastor Ron, I want to go into the Marines. Three months later, I want to go in the Marines. And he's like, I'm like, where are you? And like, well, they're telling me, like, with the world events right now, like, I might go to Afghanistan. And he's like, I don't know if I want to go in the Marines. And I said, look, you didn't join the Marines to sell donuts, <laughs> right? Like, that's what Marines do. First to fight, ready to fight, you know? They don't have an MOS for that. Right. <laughs> for selling donuts? Yeah, yeah. Or <laughs> so, making them. Or even making well, them. Well, they, they might. Yeah, I guess you, guess you yeah. could be a, a cook. Yeah. I didn't eat too many homemade donuts uh, when I was in the Marine Corps. Yeah, no, same. I don't know. I don't remember what I ate. Maybe I put that out of my mind. But my point is, like, to be a godly man in today's society, you're, you're going to take some hits. Yeah. Yep. You're going to be on the front lines. You're going to be exposed. You're going to be vulnerable. Well, it's learning how to share in that. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. Mm-hmm. All right, now we're going to pause here, and I'm not going to read the rest of it because here's where we're going to go. Here's front sight. In this one chapter, 2 Timothy 2, Paul uses three analogies. He wants you to be a good soldier, and then in verse 4, uh, verse 6, actually, I mean, yeah, verse 5, he wants you to be a an athlete. Mm. And then he wants you to be a farmer. Those are the three awesome sites, right? Yeah, yeah awesome examples. Those are the three things on the sites we want to show you how to be, how to be faithful, focused, and fearless, how to be a soldier, how to be an athlete, how to be a farmer. Wow. And we're going to spend almost every episode touching on one of those. And so we don't have a whole lot of time to go through that. Go home and read 2 Timothy chapter 2. I, honestly, just reading that chapter, you're going to get a whole lot for all right let's let's do this let's let's end with some fun um and so forth so yeah you're a little prepared for this and so let's but let's just see where this goes um let's end with some fun stuff tell our audience um a favorite dating story oh man oh man (laughs) who wants to go first Maybe keep it clean. Well, uh, not maybe. Definitely. Jacob's more prepared for this than I am, so he's going first. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I need some time to think about this still. Man, it's 
there's a lot of stories, but um, what is my favorite? Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be funny. It can be romantic. Um, it can be obviously memorable. Yeah. Maybe maybe it was your very first date. Maybe I don't know, right? Yeah. I mean, our that definitely our very first date was very memorable. My mom, she owned an art studio at the time, um, and I didn't have my um, my own car yet. So I picked up Rayleigh from her house and um, and brought her to uh, the art studio as like you know there's a little class going on. So we we did that and um, we painted uh, a picture that kind of goes together, and um, she. Like it's like a tree and a couple standing in sunset and that kind of thing. But we um, we did that. We um, afterwards we just kind of hung out in the shop after it closed up. I kind of slightly worked the event too. It wasn't exactly crazy. Um, but then uh, we went to dinner down the street. But it was really funny because she laughed the whole time. Like because we were sharing a car with my mom, so I kind of had to like. Oh wow! <laughs> wow! Yeah. <laughs> Kind of had to stay close, had to be around, and then, um, but we still had a really fun time, and that that was our very first date, and I I didn't really know what I was doing, but that was yeah. definitely probably like just seeing that, and then where we are now is just you know that's one of the favorite things and one of my most memorable stories. That and and Rayleigh hadn't had a whole lot of dating experience before that either. I mean, no. you guys were literal like high school sweethearts. Yeah, like for what, sure. what I grade was, were you in? Yeah, I was in eleventh grade. Wow. So. Yeah, I was not, yeah, that was a long time ago. I can't even remember how long ago that was. Right. Eight, eight years? years? Some, eight, For those of years? you listening, he just looked at his watch. <laughs> <laughs> if you're looking for a visual. But, That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, that was a really fun time. But um, just trying to think back at those moments and then seeing where we are now, you know? Wow. You know, just having our son being born and just... Um, going from that to this is just um, a fun memory to be like, wow, this God is so good. He's He's guided the process from there to here in just a wonderful, beautiful way. So yes, He has. Yeah, Rodney, yeah. you got what do you got? You got a good story? I've got so many stories. Oh but, man! But I probably one of the favorites for me would be Brandy. And I, so our first date was a lunch date in Brandy almost ate nothing you know you're you're not supposed to look at women chewing their food so oh, we did a, a real dinner date and i was i was like dialed in like we were you know we were in houston at the time and like i'm taking her to sullivan's you know with steak and primarily steakhouse and it's all high end and you know I, i've got it all figured out and i've got it mapped out and so i oh, pick boy. her up and i'm you know i didn't really tell her where we were going and I'm like, yeah, so uh, you'll really love this place. And, you know, and so I find out, I say, oh, we're going to Sullivan's and that she doesn't, she didn't really, you know, that wasn't on her radar. So I start telling her about it and how well the steaks are done and how perfectly they're cooked. And I mean, I, I, I went on a commercial, I was doing an infomercial for Sullivan's and then I go right at the end of it, I go, I mean, you're not a vegetarian or anything. And my wife's like, well, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, she oh, didn't man. eat meat. So wow. how observant of me. Yeah. So she went to, well, you know, she ate meat before, but, you know, she had been a vegetarian for a while. And, <laughs> and she's, uh, 
you know, since probably, you know, uh, many years later, uh, a little bit back into it, but yeah, that was like, yeah, oh, my jaw dropped. Like, great way one. to start. <laughs> right. Good one. Well, I think they have scallops, so that'll work, you know? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> She's over there the whole time going, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How do I yeah, say this? this? How do I answer? This is getting more awkward for you. Right. Yeah, that, that was what was happening. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. You know, Rain and I, it's a famous story. Um, I mean, literally. So a lot of you guys have probably already heard it. So our first, like, official date um, – Raina had just come off of some some trauma, and uh, she primarily liked me not because of looks or anything. She's like, "You made me laugh," but anyway, um, I was I was about to make her laugh and didn't even know it. So we go back to her apartment, um, and she's like, "Let's let's let's meet after school." I was getting my master's degree, and she's like, "So let's meet at seminary." And so we met. Her apartment was nearby, and she said, "Let's go out and have fun. Let's go." You know, Raina was an outdoor person. So I brought change of clothes. Well, it was a one-bedroom apartment and one bathroom. So the bathroom was in her bedroom. And so I'm in there changing, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, Like I got to go to the bathroom. And I I didn't want to stand up and use the restroom, right, because I didn't want her to hear that noise. I was like, I can't do this, man. Like I don't want her to do that. So I chose to sit down and use the bathroom. As soon as I sat down. Protect the seat. Yes, as soon as I sit down, now I realize that air wants to come out. <laughs> you know where I'm going. So I'm trying everything I can do to not let that out. And I'm like, Ron, come on. You didn't want her to hear one sound. Now she's going to hear another sound. <laughs> so I hear that she's in the kitchen. And I'm like, all right, I'm safe. So I start to slowly try to expel air with no sound. It doesn't work. <laughs> My only saving grace was I heard her in the kitchen. Fast forward two weeks on a date with my roommate, Todd, on a double date, and we're just talking and so forth, and Todd had been on, on more dates longer than I had with, with her, and things were looking pretty serious, and, and he leans over and he goes, honey, you know, in the midst of he goes, honey, I will, I will never, you know, I promise you I'll always be a gentleman. I will never, you know, can I say that? I'll never fart around you is what he said. And I said, yeah, yeah, me too. And Raina pauses and goes, well? (laughs) (laughs) Promises unkept. Right. And I was like, wait, what? What does that mean? She goes, remember that time in the apartment a few weeks ago? Oh. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you heard that? Were you, like, doing the Shawshank Redemption hit in the – you know, oh, when the was, thunder struck, you were like hitting a pipe with a rock. Yeah, you know, you were coughing like, oh, it's my foot. You know, I was tapping the foot. I was so embarrassed. And that was the first date. And Raina, she'll, she tells a story later that she wasn't in the kitchen, which she wasn't. I thought she was. She was in her bedroom. Mm. And she remembers hearing that sound and going, who am I about to go on a date with? <laughs> And we tell that story in marriage counseling, so it's, it's no problem being out there on the podcast. Well, we want to wrap this thing up. We're, we want to sign off, and um, you know, hey, here's where we're going to go from here. We're we're gonna we're gonna just start letting you guys have episodes, hopefully every week, coming out. And so, thank you, thank you, thank you for signing in for listening. So. This is Encourage Radio. This is Encourage Media. You have been a part of Front Sight. We want to send you guys out. Listen, listen, listen. Jump in, dial in, tune in with us. Have a great day. Invite your friends. Thanks for joining Front Sight. See ya.